Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. We look at Calvary Chapel and our campuses, you know, and every weekend pretty much 10,000 people come. We go, oh, you're really a successful church. God never looks at the church and goes, wow, 10,000, I'm really impressed with you. God doesn't actually go, wow, 200 professing converts, fantastic. What does God get excited about? 200 converts that become 200 growing disciples that you teach. When you read a story and they talk about a church having a weekly attendance of, say, 10,000 people, does that impress you? People tend to be influenced by positive, especially large numbers. At one point, though, Jesus' followers went from being in the thousands to just the inner 12, and Jesus was okay with that. Pastor Mark will be teaching about what God really wants in his church— you'll discover that God's a lot more interested in what's on the inside of the person than how many persons are in a building. You'll be challenged to be the type of believer that God is looking for. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. He'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Matthew chapter 28 as he continues his message, A Real Convert Becomes a Real Disciple. Now, in Matthew 28, 19, this is called the Great Commission, and one of the last things that Jesus commanded to his disciples before he went back to heaven. Look at it now, starting in verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples. Say that with me. Make disciples. Notice it does not say, make converts. And you'll see why in a moment. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That's why we do missions, because there's people all over the world. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian and you've never been water baptized, then you're disobeying a very simple first command from God. Baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And notice this. Circle this next word. And teaching teaching them to obey everything Calvary Chapel teaches. Everything Pastor Mark teaches. Everything the Catholic Church teaches. Is that what it says? No, it says everything I've commanded you. Where do we find the teachings of Jesus? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Do we find it more than that? The teachings of Jesus are the whole word because John 1... He is the Word. So all Scripture, we're to look at the Scripture, and we're to teach people to hear the Scripture. No, 
We're to teach them to do what? Obey the teachings of Jesus. Who's to teach them? You're to teach them. I'm to teach them. So understand, every new convert, every new believer starts in this thing called, they're a baby Christian. If you're here today, and you become a Christian at the end of the service, and you're 93, guess what? You're a baby Christian. But Pat, that, that doesn't, you're a baby, you're just starting. That's a common phrase used in the Bible. These new converts, these 200 that came, are baby Christians. Everyone starts that way. What is the goal for a baby Christian? Where is the end point of every single baby Christian? You said the words with me. Disciple. Disciple. It's not a convert. It's to become a disciple. And he said, well, Pastor Mark, what do you mean by a disciple? I'm really glad you asked. Let me tell you what I mean. Now, in the original language, the word disciple means this learner. Here's my definition. Write it down. Here it is. A disciple is a lifelong learner under discipline, a growing, mature Christ follower. You see, the Great Commission is a command that goes way beyond evangelism. It's not enough simply to make converts and then say to these new babies, well, you've come to church now, have a nice life. You would never do that with a baby. As you know, we have a new little puppy, Kimmy. She lost her womanhood this week. <laughs> so she has a stitch and she has a cone on her head. And you know, she's, we're, we're cone heads right now in our family. That's what we are. Well, would we just leave her as a baby after she's had the surgery just to fend for herself? You say, well, what kind? No, you would never do that because she'll dig and she'll come at those stitches. And Well, sometimes new believers, we go, God bless you. Congratulations, you got saved. Have a nice life. They're clueless. They don't know what to do. So the Great Commission was make converts, but then teach them to become Disciples. Every new believer is a baby Christian. It must be taught what this says and how to obey it. The core of discipleship is simply becoming like Jesus, Romans 8. As I grow, I'm not only learning things, but I'm becoming like him in character, in the things that I say, and in the way that I minister to people. So it's the teaching of the word, the systematic teaching of the word. That's what we do here. We systematically teach the Word of God, and then we challenge you, we correct you lovingly if you're not obeying. The whole deal is obedience. It's the end result. Now, let me show you God's plan for changing the world. It's not complicated at all. I want you to write this down. The Great Commission, you can put it into three words. Win, disciple, and send. So what does that mean? Win. Win a person to Jesus. It all starts there. Nicodemus came to Jesus. Very religious person. You might be here at our campus here or any campus. You're a very religious person. Religion will never get you to heaven. Religion is man trying to be good enough to get to God. Jesus came 
And God put his hand down through Jesus. He died on the cross. See, you can't get to heaven by being good enough. You can only get to heaven by being forgiven. So we have to have that first step. That's going, presenting the gospel. When a person, they have to be converted. Those 200 we just talked about, some of you will be converted at our campuses. What's next? The second step is to disciple them. It involves basically teaching. It's not just teaching, it's modeling for them. It's being around them, encouraging them. Teaching them to follow Jesus Christ. Not on Sunday, but 24-7. It's a lifestyle. It's not something we do on Sunday. Some of you open your Bibles, you come to church, praise God, you're here. You have your Bible. You'll never look at that Bible for the next six days. That is not the lifestyle that Jesus asked. See, that'd be like not eating food for the next six days. Spiritually, we have to feed ourselves. Then the third step is simply this. After that baby Christian starts growing, there'll be a point in their life where they're going to go out and they're going to tell others. And so that cycle is simply the cycle that God designed. This cycle that you see, when disciple sin, is not a Calvary Chapel deal. It's no church deal. It's Jesus' way of transforming our world. Now, much of our world is doing really well. Um, as you know, Linda and I go to Asia a lot. In China specifically, where I get a privilege and I'll be going, but I can't tell you anywhere I'm going. It's just not safe today. But I get the privilege of teaching in some amazing places over there. And you know this morning there's 100 million Christians in China. That's more than the United States. You can go to South America And that place is just booming with Christians. You can go to Africa. Africa is absolutely crazy for Jesus. They're growing like crazy. You have friends that are part of this campus here. They come here. I was invited, but I couldn't go, to an interesting church in Indonesia that's getting ready to build a sanctuary for 125,000 people. And that's a Muslim nation. So much of the world is doing, Christianity is booming. Europe is dead. All of Europe is dead. England's dead. Scotland's dead. Wales dead. You can go to any of those campuses, churches in in that area. One to two percent of the people even go to church, period. The United States, we're doing okay. But as a whole, we're hurting too. Our nation is not a God nation anymore. Don't kid yourself. That's because the churches have been failing in the thing that I'm trying to teach you. But we're going to change that. So you say, well, Pastor Mark, why isn't the whole world being one then? If that simple plan, when disciples sin, if that's there, why aren't we being like China? Why aren't we like some of these other? Why why isn't that happening? Write it down. Here's the reason. All disciples are believers, but not all believers are disciples. See, the person that's going to take the baby Christian on into the things of God must themselves be a disciple. You can't teach what you've not experienced. So let me ask you to turn to Hebrews chapter 5, which we started with. Get your Bible, open it up, turn it. That's why you have a Bible. And when you get there, you go down to verse 12. I'm going to read to you in the New Living Translation. Now, this is exciting. Remember what we started with, so you have to love me. Loving correction is what? 
praise God, there's somebody over here that got It's good for me. So Pastor Mark, it's not good for anybody. Oh, yes, it is. We all need it. Amen? We all need it. So I'm not saying you need it when we get done reading this. You'll have to say to yourself, whoa, that was for me. Or no, that's not for me. That's cool. So here's Paul. Notice what he says. You've been believers. So who is Paul talking to? Is he talking to baby Christians? No, he is not. He's talking to believers, Christians. Now, how do I know it's not a baby Christian? You have been believers so long now. In other words, they're not new believers, but they're not disciples. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you, here's the key word, circle it in your Bible, again, the basic things about God's word. And can you believe Paul's going to make this next statement? You are like babies who need milk and can't eat solid food. Paul, how dare you? Well, Paul isn't saying that to go... Shame on you, I don't want anything to do with you. Paul's saying that so the people can go, wow. Some of them are going to go, you're, you're right. I didn't start this way. I had a zeal for God. I love God. I love to be in church. I love my, I get that coffee in the morning, sit there and have a devotional 15, 20 minutes. Man, I love that for the day. But it's not like that anymore. I come to church like when I can fit it in. And the Bible, I haven't read it for a long time. And like the book of Revelation, John wrote to that church. He said, you used to love me, but you lost your first love. Could that be you? That's what Paul's saying. Now, he's not saying, well, leave us. No, he's going to give us correction. Now, notice, these carnal believers, I'll use that term, simply stop growing spiritually in their walk with God. They are saved, they are going to heaven, but they're not productive and they're not fruitful at all. They're afraid to trust God and thus they're self-focused. Carnal believers. Let me read you this verse from Paul in 1 Corinthians. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, disciples, but as to carnal. So what does that mean to us? Here's what you want to write. There are baby Christians. Everyone starts as a baby Christian. There are disciples, growing, maturing Christians. But there's this category of people in between that are called carnal Christians. They're carnal believers. They're immature. They're unfruitful believers. And they simply live for themselves. See, Paul makes it very clear that he understood the Great Commission. These carnal believers are not being useful in the kingdom of God. They can't teach other. They can't teach new believers. They're hearing, they're in church, but they're not obeying. They're not growing, and they're not going. So Paul is going to challenge them to get back to where they were. Become a real disciple and begin to get involved in teaching the new believers. Now look back at verse 12. You're right there again. You have 
been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Paul understood the Great Commission. Here's the simple truth. Here's what I want you to write. Every believer, this is your end point. This is your goal. Every believer should be a growing disciple. And we don't do this alone. We're family. And involved in teaching others. The way the world is one is through that. There's this cycle. It's not that I'm going to grow. I'm not growing alone. And by the way, growing and maturing isn't about knowledge. It's being transformed. It's forming Jesus Christ in me. So how is the world one? When we have 7 billion people and we have 200 new babies in our campuses, how do we get those people so that they don't end up train wrecks, professing Christians that walk away from God? How do we do that? Here's the cycle. The way we win 7 billion people in the world, and the way we take that right down to one individual who accepts the Lord, this is how. We win them to Christ. We disciple them. Who disciples them? You do. I do. All of us do. And then we send them into their world to repeat the process. Win a person to Christ, conversion. Has to be a true conversion. Then disciple them, and how do we do that? We teach them. And then we teach them to do what? To obey. Not just to know, but to obey and to follow Christ 24-7. And then we send them to reach other people. Now, here's the problem. We think today we're successful because our churches are filled with people. We look at Calvary Chapel and our campuses, you know, and every weekend pretty much 10,000 people come. We go, wow, you're really a successful church. God never looks at the church and goes, wow, 10,000, I'm really impressed with you. God doesn't actually go, wow, 200 professing converts, fantastic. What does God get excited about? 200 converts that become 200 growing disciples that you teach. So just take a little Sela moment. How you doing? This is where we have to stop and go, myself included. Whoa. Well, let me show you what happens in our churches today, especially in America and Europe that's already dead. It's already happened. Take a look at this. Look what happens to the cycle. It breaks. We win the converts, and we don't disciple them. Now, granted, some of those people won't want to be discipled. They wanted what? Fire insurance. And when you say to them, okay, you're going to have to study the Bible, say what? And uh, you're going to need to be in church, and we're going to pray for you. And by the way, uh, we give to God. Say what, what? I'm out of here. I can't help those people. But those that want to come, if we fail them, we break the chain. There's no discipling. Paul was writing that church in Corinth because really, when he walked into the church at Corinth, when he opened the doors, think about this, when Paul opened the doors of the church at Corinth, what did he see? A nursery. 10,000 baby Christians. I don't like the music. Pastor Balmer teaches too long. He's short. Whatever you want to use. He had a look at a nursery. Now, here's the hard thing for me. This was known as the spirit-filled church. 
There was a lot of emotion, but there wasn't much substance. Now, his whole goal in Corinth was to correct them as well, lovingly. So when we break that, not only do we hurt the local people so these babies never get discipled, but what else? There's no sending. We don't go into all the... We have nobody to send. That's what happened in Europe. There's no Christians hardly. So there's nobody to go to witness. And we have to understand... Listen to this statement. I read it this week and it just resonated with me. There is no doubt that America is over-evangelized but under-discipled. Woo, that's a keeper. We're over-evangelized but under-discipled. There's no doubt to me that our churches are filled with believers. Many of them have never become real growing disciples. And that means when these new people come, it's left to these small minority. We can't have that. We're here to change that. And I think God's going to help us. I have hope. If you're a believer, a disciple, if you're a pastor, an elder, stop and listen to me. I'm speaking to myself. I believe God's spirit is moving in a fresh way in our campuses. I believe the Harvest American Crusade It opened our eyes. I watched it from Israel. I watched those people at 4 a.m. in the morning coming down. If you can watch those four or 5,000 people coming down there, weeping and crying, and it doesn't move you emotionally, get on your knees and get right with God. When I saw that, and when you saw that, I think God has begun to speak to us. So we're going to learn over the next few weeks what a real disciple is, how to get you, all of us, involved and how to take us farther than we've been. They said, well, Pastor Mark, why are you encouraged? Well, I'm encouraged for lots of reasons. Before the Harvest Crusade, God said to me when I was studying, do Mark chapter 4, okay? When you have the word disciple in your teaching, because hmm, it comes from the word discipline. But this isn't my teaching. This is Jesus' teaching. And it's good for us. It's healthy for us. Another reason I'm very excited is because I want you to see somebody took notes. These are notes. Look how good this individual is. It's important that we listen with receptive hearts. This individual is writing down all those keys I taught. The person is writing knows that they'll remember more if they're writing. And so they write this amazing thing. All these points. They talk about the hard heart. They talk about the lifestyle not being there. Beginning Christ is going to cost you. They wrote all that down. Isn't that good? Don't you like that? Wouldn't you like you to have taken those notes? Let me tell you where those notes are from. A nine-year-old at the Melbourne campus. Hello! The minute I saw that, here's a verse that came to me. And a child shall lead them. The church isn't the building. It's the people who still worship Jesus and praise his name, despite whatever obstacles stand in their way. Today, we want to invite you as the extended Church of Jesus to join us virtually for our weekend worship services. Pastor Mark and Calvary Chapel Melbourne are continuing to meet online during this time and you can be a part of our services. Visit calvaryccm.com slash live to watch on our website or find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Roku. 
just search for Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Our services will take place at 6 p.m. on Saturdays and again on Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45. For more information or to find links to our stream, visit calvaryccm.com. While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor Mark's teachings from this series and feel free to share them with your friends and family. We also have devotions available under the Connect tab and you can visit our social media pages as well. All this can be found at our website. Again, that's calvaryccm.com. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to ask that you continue to pray for our country and for those around the world who are suffering during this pandemic. Please lift them up to the Lord and pray that His name would be magnified in every corner of the earth. Please pray for our leaders as well and for your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you feel led to support Lessons for Living financially during this time, we would be grateful. You can donate online at calvaryccm.com. That's all for today. Thanks for tuning in to Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.